Thank you everybody for joining. Uh, we're all back together. I want to welcome everybody who was away. Thank you those who are tuning in. My father-in-law is listening live on the Zoom. And anybody who's listening to the podcast, really appreciate it. I want to start off with a story which I heard yesterday. A story which uh, really uh, I felt uh, made a Rishim, not necessarily in a good way, but I feel it's important to share. There's a well-known mashpia, public speaker by the name of Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson. He lives now in Muncie. And uh, he has many, many different shiurim that he gives. And uh, he also has a presence on YouTube. And sometimes he conducts these public shiurim or, or interviews. He interviewed, last week, he interviewed Alan Dershowitz, the famous lawyer. So you have the famous... Uh, public speaker interviewing the famous lawyer. Alan Dershowitz is well known as a lawyer who's a big, big advocate for the state of Israel, and he's a big advocate really for any, uh, any cause in the Jewish community that's important. He's there. He was very involved with the Rubashkin case and other cases. Really a, a big uh, a person with a very varma Yiddish heart. And uh, who, uh, he, he, he lives by the... Uh, the commandment of the Torah of Tzedek, Tzedek, Tirdayf. I hope so. Yeah, well, at least in his own, uh, according to his own understanding, of trying to pursue justice. Also, he's a liberal Jew. <laughs> so he's interviewing him, and they're going through his history. Dershowitz stamps from a very, very Chashuva family. His great-grandfather came here from Radoms, came from Poland. He's Rachsida Shayid. He established a Bismedrish in Williamsburg. This was the first Chashida Shabbos in Brooklyn. In the early part of the 1900s. And interestingly enough, his, grandfather, his great-grandfather refused to work on Shabbos. There was the famous uh, uh, triangle sweat, uh, sweatshop fire. The famous fire that happened in a sweatshop in downtown Manhattan, in which uh, there was a fire and there was, I don't know, hundreds or dozens of, of workers, most of them Yidden, were killed because the uh, conditions, the labor conditions, were very, very bad at the time. And the Mamish weren't able to escape, and they burned to death. And that, that was one of the beginnings of the, uh, the unions that came afterwards that advocated that uh, workers should have rights, right. that they shouldn't, be able to, they shouldn't be abused, and they should have uh, decent working conditions, and so forth. Famous, a famous story. But interestingly enough, his great-grandfather worked in that factory, and he was saved... Because it happened on Shabbos, and he didn't work on Shabbos. Wow. Fascinating. Alan Dershowitz's grandfather was one of the founders of Yeshiva Tervedas. Him and a yid by the name of Rabbi Yom and Wilhelm, who was the grandfather of Belsky, together they founded the Yeshiva. And he himself was raised as a from yid. He went to Yeshiva Itzchayim in Bar Park. And later on he went to a Yeshiva high school here in Brooklyn. And he's describing to Rabbi Jacobson what happened. Today, obviously, he's not a from Jew. He said... The Yiddish guy that he grew up with was one of rituals. You have to do this, and he, he gave some examples. You always have to wash your hands for bread, and you have to wait six hours after eating meat. And he said, you have to also, by his grandparents, you had to wait. If you wanted to eat fish, it had to be done before the meat, not after. Of course, this is something that we all know we do anyway. But I guess uh, 60, 70 years ago, not everybody did it. But by his grandparents, you had to do it. He said it was a ritual-based Yiddishkeit. He never really asked questions, and there were never really any discussions about understanding it and why we do things. It was just about doing it, because that's what you're supposed to do. 
And that's how he lived his life. And he even got married. And he had his uh, two children. As a Shemesh Shabbos. Wow. He went to clerk. He clerked. He went to law school. And he, he, he was a clerk. And he even clerked in the Supreme Court. And he well, said he, he was... He himself. Yeah. He said he was very mocked not to work on Shabbos. And they would make fun of him. They would make chayzak of him. This is going back to the 1950s. Hmm. Uh, no, excuse me. Not 1950s. 1960s. Yeah. 1960s. Uh, and and uh, he said, no, he didn't work on Shabbos. Anyway, he said it reached a point, though, that his son, his older son, was already 10 years old. And he looks at his son and he says, you know what? These rituals that we're going through, I don't feel connected enough that I could deliver it to the next generation. So he said he reached a point where he felt it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't doing anything for him. So at that point, I guess he made the decision, okay, so we're not going to keep everything anymore. And gradually, he dropped one thing after the other. So he continues to tell a very, very fascinating story. He says it's about 10 years later, this son, the oldest son, is going to college. So he's going to college in Boulder, Colorado. So as a good father, he takes his son, you know, he goes with him to, to the college. He, he goes on the plane with him. Uh, they were living at the time in Boston. They travel from Boston to Colorado. Okay, and after his son is done, uh, he drops off his son in the college. He leaves. He goes back on the plane to take off. He says, shortly after takeoff, the uh, plane starts shaking. Okay, obviously it's a scary moment. The pilot gets on the intercom and he says, I hate to tell this to you. He says the, pilot's, the plane was shaking and the pilot's voice was shaking too. He said the flaps of the airplane... So when we took off, when you take off, so they're in a certain position, and then when the plane is supposed to go soar, it's supposed to go up. He said that we're not able to bring it up. So we're still in that position like uh, hunkering down. He said that's very dangerous because you can't really land like that. You can't land with the, uh, with the wings facing downwards. The plane's going to crash. So he said we're going to do everything that we could to try to save the plane. They're going to empty out the tanks from all the gas, try to make an emergency landing. But I just want to let you know that the situation is very serious. Pandemonium breaks out on the plane. People are screaming, people are crying, and of course people are praying. And he said, while everybody's doing that, he decides he's going to write a goodbye letter to his sons. He had two sons at the time, now he has three kids. He had two sons, he writes two letters, one to each son. And he said he put it inside the case of his shaver. He figured, if he's not going to survive, but this case is made from hard plastic... And hopefully we'll survive and they'll be able to read the letter. Okay, Baruch Hashem. They were able to stabilize the plane. They landed safely and everybody's safe. But he said after the pandemonium calmed down, he's thinking to himself. He says, what just happened here? He says it was really the deepest moment in a person's life where you're facing death, literally. He says, and everybody is praying. And as the saying goes, there's no atheists in the foxhole. He says, and he says he's observing himself. He says, I didn't daven. I didn't pray. He so didn't he said, pray? he didn't. No, he just wrote those letters, goodbye letters to his, to his kids. So he says that to him was a confirmation that he really has no more connection to the Rebbeinah Shalom. So that was like he felt, okay, this is it. That was the kind of the uh, end game. He was ready not for a few finished. years. What's that? Yeah. He said that was the end game. He said he realized that he really never was connected. And so... That was it. And of course, even though, like I said, he's very, very uh, uh, in his heart, and he describes, you know, I mean, he, he, uh, he, he never does any public appearances on Shabbos anymore. And, uh, you know, he, he goes to shul when he can. He davens when he can. But he's definitely not, not connected. Now, here comes the punchline, unfortunately, very tragic. So this is a sad story of a Yitu, really. He, uh, 
Unfortunately, if he would have got, 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 got had the proper guidance, he probably could have been very, very <laughs> in addition to everything else that he's doing. But the punchline, a very sad end story to this game, and I, I checked this up online, is that Alan Dershowitz's grandchildren are not Yidin. They're not Jewish, because his son married a Gaita. So, what does that show us? What does that show us? So here's a Yid who came from Gevaldige Yichus, and he's a good person. Nobody could argue that he's not a good person. He means well, but he didn't feel any connection. He didn't feel any connection. So that caused him to break apart from Yiddishkeit. And the next, the next story is, is that when that happens, then really there's no guarantee what's going to be future generations. Two generations later, what that's it. The, what was the continuation from the interview? What was the purpose? Different things. He asked him about uh, about yeah yeah. He just wanted to hear about his his life story and the high power attorney. I thought so, he yeah. didn't become to any. No, no that was the part I get out of. No, 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 whatever. He has a lot of good stuff that he says, and you know he's close to Chabad and he met the Rebbe and a bunch yeah, of different yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to me, that story was the uh, the main thing that I got to out of this story. Yeah, that you know this is a person who unfortunately lost everything. He lost the continuation of his family's legacy, a very chosh of a family. By choice. And yeah, because he wasn't connected. So what does that show us? That in order for our Yiddishkeit to be vibrant, we should be able to pass it on to all the future generations. All we have kids. to feel... What's that? All three kids there. No, so there's two kids. One I don't think is married. I don't know about the youngest one. The youngest one's a daughter. I didn't, there, there was nothing on Google about her. Definitely, though, the grandkids that he has from his oldest son, they're not Jewish. Could be there are grandkids that are Jewish. I don't know. But... He has grandkids that are not Jewish. So, I was thinking, you know, we're holding Mamish a few days after Pesach. I met a neighbor of mine who was in Florida, and I said to him, no, how was it? How was Pesach? He says, Pesach? That's already old news. It's we're, already back, we're already back to life already, you know. <laughs> back to, so, I know who that neighbor is. <laughs> <laughs> no, no names. <laughs> So, what does this tell us? The Yetz Sahara works very, very hard. We have these times that, you know, we, everybody feels inspired. The Yetz Sahara works extra hard. That the Rosham that these, Yomim Toivim, or whatever it is, the Rosham of these days, that leave an impression on us that they're not going to last long. Because then the Yetz Sahara knows, okay, you know, when the Rosham is gone, the influence is gone as well. The famous story that Kron brings down, there was some Bachram, American Bachem were coming back after learning several years in the Mir Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael. They were heading back to America. So, they went to get a bracha from the Mashgiach in Panovich of Chatzko Levenstein. So, these are American boys. You know, a little bit stick. So he says to them in Yiddish, No? Mitzvah Sfortman Tzadik? With what are you going back? So the boy says, With Elal. So he says, No, 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 I mean, what are you taking with you? Vos Namit. He says, oh, we're taking two suitcases and a handbag. So, what does that mean? Obviously, and then they clarify to the Bochum. Then the, he means, what are you taking with you? What spiritual gains did you get in, yeshiva, in the years of yeshiva that you could take it with you back to America, that you continue the inspiration, you continue all the, the hasogas that you earned in your time in yeshiva, you should continue it. That's what he means. So, our avodah, as Yidin, is to try as much as possible, anytime. A yamtiv comes around, or any time a time of hashpah comes around that we feel his iris, try to keep it as much as possible that it can keep us going. A footnote used to say at the end of every yamtiv, he would say, Oh, Baruch Hashem, we just gained another yamtiv. He would take all the hashpahs of yamtiv and add it to the treasure house where he keeps all the hashpahs and is there to, keep, to guide you throughout the entire year.
So, with that in mind, Baruch Hashem, Kodesh Baruch Hu, make sure that we have the opportunity to be able to do that because we have these days between Pesach and Shavuos. The Ramban writes very famously that these weeks, the weeks of Sfirah Soimer, is like Cholamoyed. You have Pesach, which is like the first days of Yom Tiv, and then you have the seven weeks of Sfirah, where each week really corresponds to one day of Cholamoyed. It's really six weeks in between, because the first week is Yom Tiv itself, so you have these six weeks, which correspond to the days of Cholamayed, and then you have Shavuos. So really, Pesach and Shavuos is one big Yom Tiv. The first days is Pesach, the last days is Shavuos, and in between, the days of Sfirah Sa'imer is Cholamayed. What then is the Avoidah of Sfirah Sa'imer? So, in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, so the second day of Pesach, we know they would go out to the fields and they would cut what was called the Oimer from the Chadash. The first uh, grains, that were allowed to be used from the new crops, were first, the first thing that was done was take a carbon of soyim of barley, and bring it onto the base of Mikdash, bring it onto the Mizbeach. That was Matir all the Chadash, and then they would count from that day on, all the way till Shavuos, and on Shavuos, they would bring another carbon, this time a carbon of Chitim, which they would use for the Shtei HaLechem. And the Sefer HaChinuch, he writes, he explains, what's the whole idea of counting from Pesach to Shavuos? What's going on here? He says, because even though on Pesach we were redeemed and there was a cheirus that Klal Yisrael got, but that was just the first step in the cheirus. That was the cheirus from the physical enslavement. They're no longer, we're no longer Paris slaves. We're no longer first forced to do forced labor to work uh, back-breaking hard work. But that's not enough. That's only the first step. The next thing is the spiritual cheirus that we should be able to do, serve Hashem as it's supposed to be. And that cheiros only came by Shavuos. By Matan Taira, as Chazal tells us, When you have Taira, that's when you have true cheiros. The cheiros of the physical labor is step one. The cheiros of spirituality, that is the real cheiros. And so, explains the Sefer HaChinuch, during these days of Sefer HaZohimer, what we're doing is we're counting and showing our anticipation he says, like a slave who knows that he's going to be released at a certain time, at a certain date, he's always looking forward to that date. We too look forward to the day of Kabbalah Satira when we're finally going to be redeemed, so to speak, from the enslavement of the Yitzhahara, which is always there to try to trip us up. And that is what Sri Asarim is all about. We're counting the days towards our Khairus. With that in mind, there's a famous question that many of the Svarim ask. We know anytime someone's looking forward to a specific date, a specific time, so what's he going to do? He's going to count how many days are left. So if he's counting 30 days, so he's 30 days, and then he says, now, okay, today is only 29 days, and the next day is 28, and so forth. A countdown. A countdown, exactly. Right. Why then, by Sfera Saimer, do we do it the other way around? One day, two days, three days, we count up like David said. Abshim Shampinkos explains very, very interestingly. It's true if you tell someone, okay, in 30 days from now, you are going to get a gift of a million dollars. And you don't have to do anything. You just have to, the 30 days have to pass, you're becoming a millionaire. Obviously, in such a case, a person is going to count down how many days are left till I finally reach that milestone of 30 days so I can get my million dollars. Till one. Right. But if you tell someone, yes, in 30 days you're going to get a million dollars, but you know how? 
Every single day you're going to put in a little bit of work, and you're going to get paid $10,000 or whatever the amount is for that day. And then after 30 days, the entire amount is going to add up to a million dollars. So now he's not looking, he's not counting down the days. He's counting up because every single day he's building up his wealth. Yeah. Now they want to have 5,000, day two, 10,000, and so forth. Every single day you're getting richer and richer until you reach that goal of a million dollars. And that's what's happening by Sphira Soimer. It's not a countdown because we're not just looking forward to that day of Shavuos. It's a buildup. We have to build ourselves up in preparation for that day of Kabbalah Satoira, slowly, little by little, until we're able to be the Kabbalah Satoira. So it's a buildup, it's a process. And so to do that, you count up. You don't count down. And so, with that in mind, let's talk a little bit about what the Sfarim tell us is the Avedah of Sfirah Sa'imer. And the truth is, this is something which is very classical difference between the Misnagdim, the Litvaks, and the Hasidim. We know by the Litvaks, so these days, really, the entire period of Sfirah Sa'imer. Next week, Mr. Hashem, this man is going to start in the yeshivas. All the Bachim are going to go back, whether it's Teretz Yisrael, Lakewood, or wherever they are. And... It's a tremendous, really, time of, uh, of learning and retzifus in learning. And in many yeshivas, really, I remember back in the day when I was in yeshiva, so there were two official off Shabbos in, in the year. One was Shabbos Hanukkah, and one was the Shabbos after Shavuos. Because uh, these peri- this period of, of the weeks from uh, the beginning of the Zman until Shavuos, nobody leaves yeshiva. Everybody is there. So about a period of five, six weeks, everybody's there. And it's finally after Shavuos, the Shabbos after, okay, now the Bachim get a small break, and they go. But these, that period of the five, six weeks leading up to Yom Tiv is a very intense uh, Zman of trying to connect to achieve Kabbalah Satayra. And it's well known also in the Kelamah Yeshiva. So they used to study every single day of the Sphere Sa'imer, one of the 48 Memches Kenyan Taira. Because since it's a buildup to Kabbalah Satayra, so we have to engage ourselves in the tools that help us acquire Torah. And so the Chazal tell us in Pirkei Avis, there's 48 ways to connect to Torah, to be able to become a better person that you can acquire the Torah. Memches Kenyan Torah. And the, the, uh, the Mishnah goes through them. The Interestingly enough, tonight, I didn't count Sphira yet, but last night was day 11. So the one for the day after day 11 is Pilpul Chaverim. Like talking among friends and learning. Because a person, when he's learning by himself, so he might have some good ideas, but it's only when you talk it over with friends, with Chaverim, who are also engaged in the same learning, that you get more ideas and, and you can clarify your thoughts and you can think them out better. That's what a, a Chavrusa is all about, of course. That, you know, it's not just one opinion, it's two opinions, and this way you can hear it out and you can listen and you can decide. So that's one of the Memchas Kenyan Torah, and there's many more. There's Shimush Chachamim, there's Dibuk Chaverim, there's listening, and there's, uh, there's uh, having Yerash Shemayim. Many different things, and in that yeshiva, that's what they would do. Every single day, they would work on a different media corresponding to that day of Sphira, until they would did 48, and day 49, the last day of Sphira, Soimer, they would review everything. And that's the classic Litvish way of looking forward to Kabbalah Satayra. How? By trying to acquire all the Memches Kinyanim that Taira is acquired with. By the Chesidim, it's a little bit different. If you go to any Rebbe, especially if it's a Galician or Hungarian, so, Sfira Sa'imer is a tremendous avoida. The, uh, the, um, before that, they say, before they say, that when they say the Hashem Yichud, it's with the whole nigan, and it's a whole big maimed, and, and people are singing along. 
and then they, they say it with Mamash of the Koilus of Brokhan, they say the Brokhan, and they count Sphira. And of course, afterwards, there's the Psukim of Anamachayach and uh, Rebbeinah Shalaylam and Lamnatseach. Really, really big Avoida. What's the idea here? So the Swarm explain. On the first night, the Arizal says, on the first night of Pesach, Kadish Baruch Hu gave Kla Yisrael a tremendous R. There was a tremendous light that came down. Kla Yisrael was really influenced in a way that they didn't earn it. But it was in a way that it was a gift from HaKadosh Baruch And we said that we discussed this many times. Kali Yisrael was really holding on a level that they weren't capable of doing anything. They were on such a low level. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, okay, since you're not capable and you're about to fall into the place that you no, won't be able to come out, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with his Rachman, took us out with his great Gilu Yishchina, something which we weren't worthy of. That was on Pesach, Pesach night. Afterwards, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, okay, now I'm going to step back. And now that light already is gone. Now let's see you acquire it on your own, through your own Avaida. I gave it to you as a gift, so you can feel it and you can desire it. It's not gone. It's not gone, but it's not the same. Uh, so, so then what is it if it's not gone? Huh? What is it if it's not gone? It's additional. It's additional. Um... So you can add to it. Okay, uh, the Rav is saying it in a different way a little bit. There's different ways of looking at it. What, whatever the idea is, though, the, the point is that anything that comes just as a gift... It's not retained in the person. It has to come with a certain amount of sacrifice, a certain amount of avoid, a certain amount of toil. And so these days of Sfirah Sa'imah, the avoid, as the Svarim tell us, is to try to build ourselves up, both by staying away from bad and adding good, to build our character up so we can build ourselves up in a spiritual way towards Kabbalah Satayra. And as the Rav said, Either you're building on the iris that you got, or you're, you're recreating the iris, whatever way you look at it, it's all the same. And as the, the, the L'Shem Yichud, the Rebbeinu Shalayim, which is said after Sefirah Sa'imer, it says, L'sakin es nafshayseinu v'ruchayseinu, mikol siguv gam, to purify ourselves from any kind of impurities, u'letareinu u'lekadsheinu b'kdushos ha'el yoyinu, and also to add tahara and kedusha to our life, that we could be influenced from the Kedusha of the Rebbeinah Shalaylam. And if you look inside the Siddur also, those that say the Rebbeinah Shalaylam, so every single day has its small Avoidah. We know there's the Sheva Sphiris. It's not something that I want to go into now. It's something that uh, really I need to learn about. Uh, but there's Chesed Gevur Tiferes, Netzachoyd Yesoyd, and Malchus. So these are seven, seven different types of uh, emotions that a person feels. And the Avoidah every single day is to try to perfect these emotions in one way or another, so that by the time Matan Torah comes around, a person perfected himself completely, that he is now prepared to Kabbalah Satira. So, whether you're a Litvak and you prefer to focus on improving yourself, your learning towards Kabbalah Satira, or if you're a Chassid and you want to focus on uh, earning Kedusha and the Eirais, so that you can get ready to Kabbalah Satira, whatever it is, whatever really suits your fancy, there's plenty of avoid to do for everybody, there's something for everybody, during these Givaldiga days of Sfirah Sa'imer, and the more we're able to connect to them, even on a small level, if it means a little bit focusing when we say Sfirah Sa'imer, if it means a little bit improving our learning by adding a few minutes of learning every day, whatever the person does, any small thing is very big in really making a Roshim on the person's neshama, that we can prepare, better prepare ourselves for Kabbalah Satira. And the more we do that, the more we connect ourselves to the Rebbeinah Shalayim. And the more we know that Khalil of Achas, these horrible stories which we hear, are never going to happen with us. We're always going to remain committed and connected yet. And it's very interesting that as much as these days have tremendous Kedusha in them, there's also, like everything else in life, Zelu Mazos Halikim. 
that the Sitter Acha is also very powerful during this time. In history, during these weeks of Sfirah Soimer, many, many tsaras happened to Klal Yisrael. Of course, we know the story of the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva, who died during this period, the 24,000 Talmidim. And later on, afterwards, after the Churban Abayas also, there were many other stories. I mean, the Rabbi Akiva was also after the Churban Abayas. But later on, in Chutz Laaretz, so the Crusades started off during this period, where many thousands of Yiddins were killed, and communities were wiped out, as you say in the Kinnis of, of, uh, of Tisha B'Av. It started in Chaydash Ir, later on, the Gezeris Tach V'tat. Also, tens of thousands of Yiddins were wiped out by the Cossacks and other Rishayim who hated Klai Yisrael. Also, it happened during this period. And more recently, in the last century, so the Hungarian Jewry... <laughs> okay, I didn't think about that. I guess I guess that uh, it depends depends what your look is. Yeah, yeah. If you're Satma, then yeah, you're right. That that taka adds that taka adds proof. Yeah, yeah. And I guess Yom Yerushalayim would also be in that same thing. Yeah, yeah. Or you might say that counterbalanced it. Okay, it depends. Uh, that's everybody has their own ashkaf on these matters. But uh, the Hungarian Yiddishkeit, the 450,000 Hungarian Jews who were killed by the Nazis in Mach Shemam Zichram. Most of it happened during this period of Sfirah Soimah. So these are days which really, it's very balanced. There's a lot of Kedusha, a lot of potential to connect, a lot of potential for growth, a lot of potential for greatness. On the other hand, the Sitra Achra is pushing back very strongly that he wants to counterbalance that as much as he can. And that's why during these months, the Tefillah of Avarachman, which actually was composed as a Zecher for those Yidin that were killed by the Crusades. It's interesting that Shabbos Mevorchem, not Chaydash year because we don't say Tachnu by Chaydash year, but Chaydash Sivan, even though you never say Avarachem by Shabbos Mevorchem, and Chaydash Sivan, Shabbos Mevorchem, you say it because of all the tsaras that happened during this time. So it just goes to show you how potent, how powerful these days are. And it's our Avaida as much as possible to connect to these days, to try to be Machazak ourselves, and Needless to say, one more thing, and that is that, as we all know, the Tamidim Rebbe Kivu died because so these are also our days of improving a person's meat that's working on Benodom L'chaveroi. So there's so much that can be done, so much Kedusha that we can infuse into each and every day, that we can really build up these days and make it a direct link, as the Ramban says, from Pesach until Kabbalah Satay. I just want to conclude with one short story. Tonight is the 20th yard site of Rebbe Victor Miller. And he was someone who his entire life he lived, how can I connect more to the Rebbein HaShalom? What's that? Today was the Shebanin. Okay, today was the Yitzhak Shebanin. Right? And, and, and Rav Miller, his whole entire Avodah was, what am I doing to connect to the Rebbein HaShalom? What am I doing to earn Morgan Eden? And they interviewed his daughter. It's a very interesting story. Rav Miller, as famously known, who used to go for walks on Ocean Parkway, where he lived. One day, he's walking and he meets his daughter, Rebetzin Brag. And he says to her, Oh, Shana, I was just thanking the Rebbeinah Shalolam that you're married. Thanking the Rebbeinah Shalolam that you're married. So she says, Tati, I'm married for more than 40 years already. You still thanking him? He says, Yes. And I thank Hashem every single day for that. When we talk to HaKadosh Baruch we connect with Him. We strengthen our Kesha with Him. Through learning, through Avodah Hashem, whatever it is, the more we are going to feel connected, these days should be for all of us days of connecting to the Rebbeinah Shalom. We should be zaycha to all the Yeshuas. Thank you very much.